thought what I would do is spend some time with you this morning sharing with you kind of a, I'll be honest, it's a little bit of a, I'm going to get in your business kind of thing here. Kind of get our hearts and our minds ready for those of us who call ourselves believers. Really, for the last many weeks, I've been talking and speaking directly to the believers and kind of helping us uh, take some steps and reminders of some important, important things. And today, I'm going to continue to do that, making sure our hearts are right, because the truth is, is we're going to sing a lot of songs about Jesus over the next couple of weeks. All of this country will. Our community is going to be singing songs about Jesus, and oftentimes, those lyrics in those songs at Christmas times, a Christmas time about Jesus, are really powerful. We just kind of, because of tradition, we just kind of, you know, blow through them, just kind of sing them. But man, there's some incredible stuff in there, and I don't know if we fully get how big of a deal it is. I mean, when you think about, we're singing songs about Emmanuel, God with us, that God took on flesh and came down here to be with us. Some of these words and these songs singing about that are spectacular. We just sang Joy to the World. It was the first song in our set that we sang here this morning. As some of you weren't here and got in a little late, but we sang Joy to the World. And in Joy to the World, you know, some of those lyrics, I, I wrote some of them down. You know them, Joy to the World. The Lord has come. He's the Lord has come to indwell with, with humanity. Uh, let every heart, let every heart receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Just some of those words in that text there of that song is, is powerful. Again, we, we're so used to just blurting it out because of the holidays. But I mean, you think about let every heart prepare him room. This is talking about let every heart prepare room for Jesus to be Lord of our hearts and our lives. Another song they sang there at the very end, Oh, come, let us adore him. He is Christ the Lord. We're saying some powerful words in, in that song. Unfortunately, we will sing these songs with very little reverence or understanding the truth about who Jesus is. Oh, he's, he is a cute little baby in a manger. But man, there's so much more to it than that. I just want to bring that to your attention. I want to have a starting point in our time together. In your notes there, there's uh, something really important at the very top there. It's kind of a fill-in area. It says, Jesus is, and here's the fill-in. You knew this already. Didn't need to come to church for this if you're a believer in Christ. Jesus is Lord. But I want to start there because this is what we're singing about. This is what Christmas is about, that Jesus is Lord. 740 times in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is Lord. We're going to need to pay attention to that because there's huge implications in understanding that. One of the most famous parts of Scripture about Jesus and his birth in Luke chapter 2, we see in the scriptures, it says this, do not be afraid, you know, the shepherds are watching the flocks at night, an angel appears and says this, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior is born to you, he is, he is Christ the Lord. There it is, right there, we're reminded once again that this Jesus we're singing about, he is he is Lord, and so the big question that we need to deal with when we consider that Jesus is Lord is this. What does that mean 
in your life and in my life every single day, what does it mean to embrace that Jesus is Lord? In my marriage, do I embrace, in everything that I do and operate, do I embrace that Jesus is Lord? In my dating life, in your dating life, when you're dating, do you, do you, you say, you say that Jesus is Lord? Is he Lord in your, in your dating life? You're finishing up your finals. You're, some of you are doing tests and all that right now. You're in the middle of all that. Uh, is Jesus Lord while you're dealing with your finals? You're buying Christmas presents. You're doing that. Seems like not a big deal, right? Is, how about, is Jesus Lord in times like that? In other words, this affects, it permeates, it goes through everything in our life. Jesus as Lord, what does that mean? Jesus being Lord. I think we need to unpack that for just a second. The word Lord. I put this in your notes, comes from this Greek word that in essence means this. I wrote this down. Lord is the same thing as supreme in authority or controller. When we say Jesus is Lord, the translation for that, the deep meaning of those words means that I am saying that if Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm saying he has supreme authority and he is the controller of my life. And I think, <laughs> sounds nice, but when you get down to like day-to-day -day life, it's kind of tough. Like I, we live in a time today where we don't want to give up control to nobody or nothing. Like less than ever before, we are fight. We, we, we don't want to give up control more than ever before. We are fighting to keep control. We don't even want to let somebody else hold the remote control over the TV. Like we want control of that because we want to determine our channels. We want anybody else touching that. Don't touch my phone. That's my phone. Don't touch it. I want my things my way. Some of you control all the things of your day. Like you've got lists. How many of you, you'd just be willing to admit right now you're a list maker. You make lists for the day and you're pretty fascinated with your list and you want it to go that way. Even if you're not a list taker, all of us have thoughts and designs about how maybe our life is going to go and we want it to go that way and we're really hoping it'll go that way and we focus on those things happening just a certain kind of way. You probably, some of you have thoughts about how Christmas morning's gonna go if you got kids. Man, I mean, we want it to be a hallmark moment. We really do, you know? And maybe we envision in our mind, you know, the kids, here's what's probably gonna happen. <laughs> They're gonna sleep in because, you know, mom and dad are gonna get some rest Christmas morning. And then we probably, you know, they'll come down the stairs or come into the living room. Their hair will be all brushed, and it's going to be so sweet. No fighting or arguing of any kind. We'll probably sing some songs to Jesus before we open presents, read some stories from the Bible, and it will be like the angels are all gathered around the tree with us. What a, what a beautiful moment this is going to be, and we think it might work out in some very nice way. And then, of course, we see very quickly that it doesn't go that way, and it can turn chaos in a second. Heck, life can turn out this way. So what does it mean to say that Jesus is my controller? What does it mean to say that he has supreme authority in my life? I know sometimes we like to say, we're gonna make Jesus our Lord and Savior, our Lord, make him our Lord. Well, the truth is, and I know why we say that, I get it, but the truth is you can't make Jesus Lord, he already is. He, he is Lord. But one day, every knee, you may not believe it, that Jesus is Lord, one, knee, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he is Lord. What we do, though, is we come into relationship with him, with him and we are 
in essence, surrendering to his lordship, that he is in supreme control and in supreme authority of our lives. Does he really, though, have lordship of your life? I want to talk to you this morning about two different ways this is playing out in Christianity today. And I think as we consider God with us, there's something very powerful in that. I want to take it down to the personal level. God with me. Jesus comes to earth so that uh, he can be with humanity. Jesus comes to earth uh, for us individually as well. And so let's look at it on a very personal level. God with me. And here's the first level of the way this is playing out for Christianity today, especially in America. It's the partially surrendered life. It's the partially surrendered life. In the, especially in America, we see this playing out more and more today. Here's what this looks like. You have a lot of people in America today, here's what they say, I believe in God. I really do, I, I believe in God, but by the way they're living their life, you would not know that they believe in God. This is what's happened, and this is a part of the reason this is happening is because of partially surrendered living. Here's Jesus in just kind of an honest, brutal moment. Here's what he says in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Like you say, I'm Lord, you call me that, but you do not do what I say. Why do you run around saying that Jesus is Lord, but by the way you live your life, you just giving me lip service? It goes back to an Old Testament scripture. It says, they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We talk and talk as though we are believers, but we're not living a life as though we are believers. And Jesus is saying, it's like, I, I appreciate that you want to talk the talk, but I'm looking for people who want to walk the walk. Jesus is clear here. This isn't a game. Unfortunately, though, in our culture today and in churches in America today, so many people today, they say, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I want to control everything. I believe Jesus is Lord, but I still want to do whatever it is I want to do. I believe that Jesus is Lord, but I'm not going to trust him with everything. There are certain things in the Bible that I like, and there are certain things in the Bible that I do not like. And so I just kind of pick and choose. I know there's a part in the scripture that says, if we are bitter, we need to forgive. If people have hurt us, we need to pray for them and forgive them. I know it says that, but I don't want to live like that. And I know it says that, you know, in my dating life, I should embrace sexual purity. I know that it says that, but but I, I don't surrender to that in, in my life. I'm, I'm not going to surrender to that. It's that partially surrendered life. I know it says that you know we ought to honor God financially with that first tenth and trust him with our resources. But that part, I'm not interested. Or maybe it's serving and honoring him with your time and your talent. And you hear and you read in the scriptures that this is what the believers do time and time again. They serve the body of believers. They serve their community. And you're just too busy because you know Jesus. I mean, come on. It's Christmas season and there's a lot of parties to go to. I mean, golly, we got a lot to do. And don't you know, Jesus, that it's NFL season? I mean, really. It's the partially surrendered life. 
partially surrendered life. And this is what so many Christians want to hang on to and embrace in their life. And Jesus is saying, hey, you call me Lord, Lord, but that's all there is to it. There's not full surrender. Look at what it says in Proverbs 3, 5. I'm gonna give you something called the PSV version. I don't know if you've ever heard of the PSV version. It's very popular in Christianity today. And it's probably maybe some of the version that maybe some of you uh, embrace. It's called the partially surrendered version of the Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but let's read the scripture together in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Put it up on the screen. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you can make your paths, your own paths straight. Now, those of you that know the Bible, you know that that's not in the scriptures, but this is the way in which many believers are operating. And Jesus is saying, look, <laughs> hey folks, this thing about making Jesus Lord or saying you've surrendered to Jesus's lordship, it's an understanding. Here's the deal. He is clear about this in the scriptures. He is not looking for people who are part-time followers. He's not looking for people who say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give just part of my life. He's looking for people who want to give their whole life to him. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. He says, if you want to find your new life, you need to lose your old life. You need to lose yourself and find the new life that Jesus has to offer you. If you come under his lordship, you are recognizing that he is supreme in authority. He is the one who knows what's right for your life, and he is the one that knows what's wrong for your life. He is controller, and he is Lord of all. We don't get to pick and choose. He's serious about this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say you need to do? So here's what I want you to do. Consider right now where you may need to have some additional surrender in your life. I put a little place in your notes there. Uh, what have I not surrendered to the Lord? And there's different areas that we have in our own lives that we say, I've been picking and choosing. Or some of you, you're seated next to somebody and you know what it is, but you don't want to write it there, so maybe you'll write code word and you know what the code word means. Maybe you'll take it home and you'll prayerfully consider tonight that, hey, there's, there's something that I need to invite God into because I'm only partially surrendered in, in my life. For some of you, you know what it is. And if you're really honest about it, you'll You'll, you'll write something there. You, you, you may, it could be something like, you know, I try to control outcomes with my kids in such a way that, you know, they're wired differently than me. They're wired uniquely, but I just want them to go on this path. I just want, the, you're trying to control that path for them. And God has a whole different path for them in life that he's trying to reveal, but you're trying to control that. And maybe it's something about your future. You've got this schedule, these deadlines, and this is the way it has to work out. And if I'm not married by this day, God, you're not even real. And it better happen, it better happen our kids, we better have all these things happen in order because this is the way I see it, this is the way it's gotta happen. Others of you, maybe you're dating somebody and you know that God would want the best for you, that the person you're dating is raising you up in your walk, in your faith, and they're not doing that, they're bringing you down. They're not following in a walk with Jesus. And you know that if you're gonna be fully surrendered, that relationship's probably not gonna work out. And you got a decision you need to make there. 
for me, I remember in the first couple of years when I became a believer in Christ, I did not embrace fully surrendering my resources over to the Lord. And this was a little bit of a game I was playing. I was trusting in my ability to manage my money. I was not trusting in God as the source of it all. I was half-hearted, lukewarm, and distant to God's promises. I was a part-time follower when it came to my finances. It's maybe looking very different for you, but I just want you to be honest about it and share. Uh, just kind of, or take a time of honesty before God and say, this is something that I need to invite him in further in my life. Now, I want to talk about another level. I said there's two levels here that we see, and one is partially surrendered, but here's the next one, that I've embraced this relationship with this lordship, and he is going to be something God's going to lead me, and I'm going to be a part of a fully surrendered life, fully surrendered, all in. I'm not just, you know, church Christian. I don't just, I'm not just Saturday night, we have Saturday night church. I'm not just Sunday morning Christian. Like there's more to it than that. I'm, I'm all in. It's not gonna be about convenience any longer. It's gonna be this all in mentality. It's more than just God bless America. It's something more than that. It's a full on, I'm not holding anything back. I belong to him type of commitment. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 14 and verse seven. Paul makes it clear here as well. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, let me ask you a question right now this morning, hoping to bring us all on the same page. If we live, how many of you are alive this morning just by a show of hands? Several of you are. Others, you need to go pray about that because you're not clear. And I just hope that the Lord will bring you some clarity on that. It says, it says this, if we live, if we live, it is to honor who? The Lord. And specifically, uh, Paul is talking to those who said, yeah, he is supreme authority. He is Lord of my life. He says, and if we die, it is to do what? To honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. He is supreme authority. He has lordship. I belong to God. Now, God gave us in humanity a bit of an example of what this looks like and belonging to and, and covenant and all-in type mentality. He gave us a portrait of this here on earth through something called marriage. When a man and a woman unite in one flesh and get married, what happens there is a new covenant is embraced in that marriage. And so a healthy marriage looks like an incredible portrait of two people belonging now to one another, belonging to God, that becomes a godly example for humanity to understand what it looks like for a human being to be in covenant relationship with God, that I belong to him. Now, we mess this up, this thing called marriage. But in a healthy marriage, this, this is what is on display. Now, let me just make it a little more clear here to understand this all-in mentality. If I go back to the time that I proposed to my now wife, when I proposed to her, I put a ring on her finger. By the way, it's a big fat rock. You should check it out. It's pretty, 
pretty nice. No, it, maybe not. But she's got that there, and she wears that on her finger. When I put that on her finger, what did that ring cost her? Nothing. It cost me, but it didn't cost her. It cost her nothing. When she went down the aisle and met me there at the altar, and we did our vows, and she said, I do to me, here's what happened. In that moment, it cost her everything. It cost her everything. Because in that moment, what she was saying is, I belong to you. And she put a ring on my finger, and that ring didn't cost me anything. But when I said I do, it cost me everything because now I belong to her. Some of you right now are like, I don't belong to him. I'll tell you right now. I haven't belonged to my man. Not, not at all. That's why you ain't no good in marriage. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because the scriptures say you belong to him. And he belongs to you. And you are no longer doing your own thing. Like if, if I am a married man and I'm going out still living like I'm a single man, is that going to affect my marriage? Yeah. Absolutely. If I'm kind of going off and doing my own thing. No, I said yes. And so I surrendered into a something new. I belong to her. She belongs to me. We belong to God. That's what marriage looks like. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, salvation, it didn't cost you anything. He paid the price so that no man could boast about any works that they do. Salvation is free. But if you want to make him Lord, if you want to say, okay, he's Lord of my life, it's going to cost. And today in our culture, in our, in our communities, Christians are living in such a way that there's no cost at all. Hey, I surrendered lordship, but I still live the way that I live. I'm still living my single life, in other words. I said I'm married. I said I do to the heavenly father, but I'm going to live the way that I want to live. I hope you're understanding this portrait of this little baby Jesus being lord of our hearts. It's not a little game. It's something very critical we recognize that he is Lord, and when we do, we understand that he is the conquering, reigning, ruling, supreme in authority, coming back with a sword, not returning as a lamb, but returning as a lion. He is the Lord of lords, and he means business. You don't just say, Lord, Lord, and then do whatever you want. He is supreme, ruling, reigning. He is the king of the universe, and if you are a Christian, you belong to him. There is a life that comes with that. I would submit to you. That the life is good, and it is of the fullness of God. It is powerful. But you have to choose that for your life. Let's see what it really says in Proverbs 3, 5. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That word acknowledge comes from this word, it's, it's a word to know. And if you know uh, about this level of to know in scripture, it means one of deep intimacy. What it's saying there is get to know God in deep intimacy in your life. Invite him in to deep intimacy in every area of your life. And once you do that, then you're putting yourself in position to let him make your path straight forward for your, for your life. The reason why so many of us 
don't surrender to an area of our life is we don't invite God in to get to know him. To get to know God is to learn to love him more and to get to know God allows us to trust him more. I said last week that God with us is this portrait that God is saying, I'm coming down to humanity. No longer does humanity have to say, who is this God in the clouds? You don't have to, that's not our God. Our God came right here to earth to say, this is who I am. We have it in the text, in God's word, and we invite that truth into our life, in every area of our life, learning to trust him, learning to love him, getting to know him, that he is the ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, good in every way, holy, set apart from us, holy God, who is reigning and ruling. He is the king of the universe, and we set ourselves in position in every area of our life to say, God with us in this, I want to see you, know you, relate to you, connect with you. I invite you in. You have to allow him to be invited into these areas that you are holding back on. I remember having to do this with my finances, and I literally did what I'm telling you. I got to know God intimately over my finances. And what I learned is that all of the resources I have, I didn't give me, he gave me. And I learned that all the resources I have, he was just trusting me to take care of them. I learned that what I was was a funnel towards the kingdom of God and ultimately the things that he wanted to do in and through me with my resources. I learned that I needed to honor God financially. I learned that it was better to give. It was blessed, more blessed to give than to receive, that there's something about hoarding that is not healthy for our life and our spiritual growth. And so I began to get to know him and take the steps that I needed to take. Some of you, just in the last few weeks, going back to our last series, See, when I, when I asked there, what is an area of your life you need to surrender? Some of you, just a few weeks ago, you would have written finances there. But you took some steps a few weeks ago to, let, to get to intimately know him. You took the tithe challenge, and you're on that journey. You're, you're inviting him in to get to know him more in the area, this area of your life. It's just an example. I put that before you because I wanted you to see what it's like to trust God and test God. We did the 90-day tithe challenge, and so many of you are on that journey right now, and I praise God for that. We did that so that you could have another occasion in which you can encounter what it means to start walking more and more with God. I do want to pause and say this. Those of you who are taking those steps in the tithe challenge and in the Christmas offering, there is something that happens in the kingdom of God when you decide to be obedient. And that type of thing that you're involved in right now, it is affecting our church very powerfully. And I want to say, as your pastor, people taking those challenges, yeah, we, we did that so that you could discover obedience, but it is making a difference as we get ready for Christmas at Newwalk in the new year. And I want to say thank you for taking those steps, Newwalk. You just got to get to know him. And more and more in that area, dig into his word, dig into his truth about his promises for you. Uh, for some of you, the situation is you don't want to give of your time or your talent. You are. You, you're, you're. When it comes to serving here, like a big weekend like we have Christmas New Walk or any weekend throughout the year, your deal is, is I, <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. You, you're busy. I know, I know, you're you are the most important person in the world. Your schedule is just amazing. 
If you don't have time to serve God, then you're too busy. And so I want to invite you into saying, hey, you know, I'm going to push past that partial situation. It's an area I need to be fully in. I don't, though the scriptures are replete with this, I, I don't serve the, the body of believers. I don't serve my community. Great, we make an on-ramp for this so easy. It's called Winter Wonderland. After all eight of our services, we have eight different times next weekend, three on Saturday, five on Sunday. At the end of every one of our eight services, kids are gonna go out, they're gonna play, there's gonna be snow. It's supposed to be very chilly next weekend, so be ready for that, you know? Uh, but it, it's gonna be outside, hot chocolate, and all this other stuff going on, and it's gonna be really nice out there, but it takes people manning little stations and doing little things during one of those services to make it happen. And right now, we are woefully short of where we need to be to man all of those stations. And part of it's because people just don't want to give of their time or their talent to serve the kingdom of God. So I'm gonna invite you in this opportunity to, to take one of those positions this week and help us out. Here's how you can do it. You can write on the back of the little blue card that you got when you came in, the little blue connect card. On the back, you can write W. W. I think we had 70-something people write it last week, which is awesome. Need more this week? Write WW on the back of your Connect card. Circle it. When the buckets pass at the end of our time together, drop it in the bucket, and we'll get in touch with you, get you plugged in next week to be a part of Winter Wonderland. That's WW on the back of your card. You just got to take the steps to trust him and to get to, to get to know him, but the tragedy is so many believers, and I don't, I'm not here to scare anybody, but I'm just saying so many believers are living under this illusion that this partially surrendered life is it's just okay. It's healthy. Well, some of you, you, you joined a church years ago. Maybe somehow you got wet at a baptism. Maybe you checked a box on a card. Maybe you just love to say, God bless you when people sneeze. That's awesome. There's a lot more to Christianity than that. We have eternal life through the forgiveness of sin. It doesn't cost us anything. There's forgiveness and sin of our sin, which is awesome, and I love that. But I wrote this in my notes. The only reasonable, reasonable response for having my whole life and now to be able to have eternal salvation ought to be giving in return the life that I have towards the things of God, being all in with him. Do you really know him in that type of surrendered way. Jesus said some pretty haunting words about this in Matthew 7 and 21. And I'll just lay them out there. Here they are. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, the, the lip service, Lord, Lord. Okay, 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 you got a bumper sticker on your car about Jesus, woohoo. You wear a cross around your neck, woohoo, goody. Here's what Jesus said. Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles? Didn't we go to church? We went to church some and, and there was the guy in the store and he had the bell with the red thing and we put some money in that. Remember, we did that, God. We, we, we did that for you and we helped old ladies across the street. Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. We're talking about not lip service, but we're talking about intimacy with God. There is a big difference between calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to his lordship. We got the holidays coming. You're going to sing songs that say Jesus is Lord. Is he? Let every heart prepare him room. Oh, come let us adore him. He is Christ the Lord. Maybe you'll look at those songs a little differently. Maybe you'll examine your own heart over the holidays. Let God do an additional work in your heart and your life. Ultimately, God, not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. Right now, I believe there are believers and there's some things that have that are coming to light right now, partially surrendered right now before us. God, you're, you're revealing it partially surrendered. And we, we, there's a particular thing for somebody here that looks different. Everybody's situation may look different, but there's something being brought to attention right now in somebody's heart and their life about being partially surrendered. God, I'm praying you hear that. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would begin to do a work as they fully surrender and get to know you. Lord, we got holiday songs and all these things happening as we celebrate this Jesus that came, but he came and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, not for partial surrender, but full surrender. There's something powerful in that life. God, you've called us to that. There's maybe somebody here right now or you're watching online and your situation, your story is this, you've never uh, turned to the heavenly father and it is clear for you, you have not surrendered and you are apart from God right now in your life. And Jesus, this Jesus we celebrate over the holidays, he came to this earth and died on the cross so that you would not be separated from God so you'd be in relationship with him and you can receive the forgiveness that came from the cross and the work of the cross today, right now. You can say, God, I surrender to you. Jesus is Lord. I receive the forgiveness of my sin through the work of the cross. I'm ready to step into not partial surrender. I'm ready to fully be surrendered, Lord. I don't understand it, but I just know I have not received the forgiveness of my sin. I'm ready to begin that journey with you today, God. I surrender. I'm putting, putting, I'm putting, pulling my, taking myself out of the driver's seat, putting you there, God, for the rest of my life. I'm ready to begin that journey today. In Jesus' name, amen.